You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Bum. We are your go-to source for Giants film analysis, breaking things down further than just the news, taking a look at the tape, filling you in on specific players. Uh, Anything that you need to know that is not just straight hard news, we are your go-to source. We've been chugging along so far this offseason with doing these position group previews so you have an understanding of who's going to start who's going to play where what their role might be if you missed out on the previous episodes we've already done the receivers we've already done the quarterbacks we've already done the running backs you should 100 percent go back and listen to those if you have not already but if you had you're fully filled in on what you need to know so far and now you get to listen to us talk about the offensive line starters this group is so big the offensive linemen from all the guys that they brought in we actually have to break this up into two shows so the show doesn't end up being two hours long from talking about both groups not only the starters but all of the young backups that they brought in through undrafted free agency the draft all the guys that were already on the roster that being said like i said today's show is those guys that are starting on this roster It seems like, Chris, that last season we took a step forward in terms of the talent for the Giants' offensive line. The previous season in 2018 was horrendous. Eric Flowers was on the offensive line. That's enough to really tell you how weak of a group it was and how much they struggled in that season. Well, they made some moves. They brought in Kevin Zeitler. They brought in Mike Remmers. And early on, Chris, we were talking about how wow, this is a completely revamped group. This might be a lot better than last year. Well, they ended up struggling down the stretch of the season because of some injuries, uh, some issues here or there, guys being moved around, guys not being fully available, as well as Daniel Jones starting and holding the ball a lot longer than Eli Manning would typically hold it uh, in various passing pass rush situations. Chris, is it is it fair to say that this group took a step forward last season but we're not really where we want them to be yeah i think that's a good way to put it yeah they various players took some steps forwards yeah i don't think they maybe took quite as much of a step forward as we were hoping you know especially with will hernandez going into his second year the addition of kevin zeitler trading eric flowers for mike remmers which it is kind of a bit of a kick in the pants that flowers actually turned out to be a decent guard when he just completely flopped at tackle but and is doing that elsewhere but that is not a giant's problem right now 
you know, we did see other guys like uh, Nate Solder take a step back. We still have uncertainty at the center position. So they definitely took a step forward, just not the step forward I think everybody was hoping for. In terms of overall talent, though, it, it was a slight progression. It, it was at least seeing improvements in various spots. But the thing is, you can't expect a unit that has five cohesive starters to immediately be fixed overnight. So I think some fans might have been frustrated, like, oh, we made all these moves to go and bring in all these new players. Well, it's not something that can just be easily flipped and adjusted in one offseason. That's why the next phase of this restructuring of the offensive line was spending a ton of draft picks in this year's draft class. They, they drafted three guys, Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott, and Shane Lemieux. Speaking of Andrew Thomas, Chris, something that, that I've already been racking my brain on, and I don't know if fans are thinking the same thing, but I, I can already tell that there is not really a firm agreement amongst a lot of people on who is going to be the left and right tackle. It's not really so clear cut that Nate Solder will be the left tackle next season. It's also not clear cut that Andrew Thomas, the incoming fourth overall pick and rookie, will be the left tackle or be moved to right tackle. I think that the thing that might make the most sense is if they go with Andrew Thomas at left tackle because in a few years from now, when Nate Solder is... 34, 35 years old and no longer on the Giants roster, it would be a pain to ask Andrew Thomas to switch from right tackle to left tackle and then be the starter going forward. You're going to have him for at least four to five years. You might as well put him out there now and ask him to learn and develop in that role so then in a couple years, this offensive line group can really hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm not even sure the Giants coaches know what they want to do at this point. To me, it really does make the most sense to just start Thomas at left tackle. That's where he's played the last couple years. He is used to seeing things from that side. That's the footwork and technique he has been practicing. Start him there, leave him there. Let him build chemistry with Will Hernandez. Let him get used to the speed of the game on the left side at the pro level. And also... You know, this is something we have to think about. Nobody has really had an offseason, and Andrew Thomas is a rookie. You know, he hasn't seen, even playing in the SEC, he hasn't seen the game of football at NFL speed with NFL athletes coming at him every week with an entire week to game plan and you know, football being their job. You know, he, he's never seen that, and offensive tackle has a pretty sharp learning curve, and that is under normal conditions, and right now is just anything but. I think it would be best for both Thomas and the Giants to try to keep things as normal as possible for him. And like you said, just leave him at left tackle. Move Nate Solder. He is the veteran. He at least knows what to expect in general. Andrew Thomas has also played right tackle in his time at Georgia. So if hypothetically, the, the reason why this, this issue and this, this conversation is, is far more complicated than I think most people expect is that he knows how to play right tackle. He can make that switch if you need him to. He's, it's not like some guys who, if you talk to offensive linemen, some of them can't play on the opposite side. It's just too uncomfortable for them and they refuse to do it. There's some guys that don't make rosters because they don't have the versatility to play both ways. But Thomas 
has done it before. It's clearly not his preference. It's not the ideal situation. But going with what you said, Chris, it's not really even for like the, the, the opposite point from what you brought up it making it so much harder to fully analyze who's going to be the guy is, well, Andrew Thomas hasn't had any reps to uh, go through OTAs at left tackle. He also has not uh, had any opportunities to get in front of the coaches and to work in person with all this stuff. And he's going to have limited time during the preseason, only two preseason games to figure out that uh, whichever spot he's at. So maybe the other side of this argument is, well, if there's not enough time to get him acclimated to the most complicated spot on the offensive line, why don't we let him try it right tackle? There's just so many variables that make this so complicated to have a firm, decisive decision uh, on, on who is the left and who is the right tackle. It really is. And it's going to be fascinating, but I think we should also fully expect growing pains, you know, either adjustments to getting used to playing the right side again because it has been it has been a few years since he's done it add those on top of the growing pains of getting used to playing offensive line in the nfl and having to do all of that without a normal offseason you know don't have the normal time with the coaches to install the blocking schemes to install the offense you know they're basically having going to have to collapse all of that into training camp and then have just two preseason games at least as as things stand stand now there are definitely going to be growing pains and i i think fans really should anticipate that and expect that and if things go better then great and speaking of growing pains just to throw out another hypothetical situation the other thing we could see is Andrew Thomas playing left tackle. Maybe it's not working out and there's too many issues. They decide to ask him to play right tackle. There's just a lot of moving cogs for a unit that needs to find an identity. Expect anything. Expect the unexpected with this group because it is trying to change the guard from an older veteran free agent based and trade based group to now a young drafted core in a couple of years that will be starting. Speaking of the guy that is currently the oldest player, the longest standing vet, that is Nate Solder, the six foot eight left tackle who has been with the Giants for the past few seasons, getting paid a very hefty sum to protect the blind side of Daniel Jones for this upcoming year in 2020. What we saw from Solder last season was doing okay and okay and well in spots, but we constantly saw him struggle when he was asked to face up against speed-based rushers. The the one game that really is ingrained in my mind, even though I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was his worst performance, Chris, but the one game that is so ingrained in my mind from last year was the one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he was bodied by Shaq Barrett, who at the time was pretty much unknown of what his capabilities were. He basically allowed Shaq Barrett to step in and really um, to, to get more notoriety for his quality of play. Yeah, that was just as Barrett was establishing himself as really one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL last year. He had had a couple really good games to start the season, but I think that game was almost when people kind of had to 
sit back and, and go, okay, this guy is for real. He has emerged from Von Miller's shadow. And yeah, that really was an ugly game for Nate Solder. And unfortunately, it wasn't the only one. You know, when Solder was signed in 2018, he gave up eight sacks, eight, eight and a half, something like that, depending on how you count. Uh, last year, that got worse. And by my count, he gave up 12. That's really not what you want to see from your starting left tackle, from a guy you were, at the time, you made the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. And the money they're paying him almost doesn't justify what you're getting in the product on the field. He's on a decline in terms of his ceiling and his peak of performance. Now that he's 32 years old, he's been in the league for nine seasons. That's that's a pretty long time for an offensive lineman. He's not going to have better days ahead of him. And that's not be, me being negative. It's just how the progression of some players are. We've already seen a slight regression. It's very hard for guys that are regressing to completely flip the switch when they're already past the age of 30. He's also not been entirely healthy. He's he's been able to play a lot of games for the Giants, but we know that in the behind the scenes he's been dealing with um, some various issues. Now we, we've already really picked apart Andrew Thomas's likelihood to step in on either tackle spot. And we've already also in a completely separate show a while ago analyzed who Andrew Thomas is as a tackle. But to kind of give the Cliff Notes version of what Andrew Thomas is and what to expect is that he is a great run blocker. He's going to be able to step in and perform very well on the outside, opening up some lanes on stretch plays, outside zone running schemes uh, for Saquon Barkley. And the other thing you kind of have to keep an eye out for is facing off against similar to Nate Solder facing off some of the against some of these quicker pass rushers. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of stood out on tape. Like he is a really good run blocker. He is a mauler. If you really come at him head to head and try to match power with power, he will be an immovable object at best or at worst, he will be an immovable object and odds are he is going to win those matchups. The problems with Andrew Thomas really come when he faces guys who are just athletic freaks or even just straight up speed rushers, guys who aren't going to come right at him, but who can get a jump off the snap, who can run by him. Then you start to see like inconsistencies, like inconsistencies in his footwork, inconsistencies in his hand usage. And he does tend to struggle a bit in those situations. Third-year player Will Hernandez is pretty much a lock to be that left guard spot for the Giants next season. Notoriously known for being a mauling guard, a guy that is not afraid to fight whoever he's facing off against. If there's even the, the slightest bit of pushing and shoving, you can bet that Will Hernandez will find a way to get involved with those uh, altercations, if you will, on the field. Hernandez had a really good rookie year. A lot of people were talking about how Hernandez was a steal for the Giants a couple seasons ago when they drafted him. I believe he also made one of the various lists of top 25 players under 25. 
there were a lot of really positive signs pointing in the direction of Will Hernandez. He took a, a, not a, a dramatic step backward or a, a complete fall off, but he seemed a little stagnant for his second season. I'm not overly concerned with that, Chris. I think that now that the Giants have one of the best offensive line coaches coming in to progress the young players of this group, I feel like Will Hernandez is the type of player that has all those really good traits you want in a guard that he is really going to start to hit his his potential at full stride. Yeah, and you mentioned the new offensive line coach, Mark Colombo. He is... He's a guy who believes in man gap, straight ahead power offensive line play. And that really does play into Hernandez's game. Like he has functional athleticism. He can climb to the second level. He can pull. Really, his game is based on power and being a mean, mean dude. Like you talked about his propensity for fighting and it seems like it isn't training camp until will hernandez has gotten into a fight with somebody and you know i I personally would not want to make him angry last year it did seem like he maybe didn't take a step backwards but he didn't take the step forwards that everybody was kind of expecting and i'm not sure how much of that was coaching related I'm not sure how much of it was you know nate solder taking a step backwards uh john jalapio just not being the center the Giants needed him to be, and you know the two of them kind of dragging Hernandez down a little bit. It will be interesting to see how, A, the left tackle position shakes out, what kind of effect that has on Hernandez, and then also the center position, and whether or not the change in coach really helps to unlock Hernandez's full potential. Right now, the center position is... Very wide open, more wide open than we expected when we came in and started preparing our pre-show notes, and I think more expected than a lot of people would consider. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on, but right now the only guy that is actually listed on the depth chart as a center is Spencer Pulley, a guy that they extended recently in the past few years. We guess he is the likely starting center. It seems like more signs point to him starting than anyone else. Not not significantly more, but just enough that it seems like it makes the most sense. But as we've talked about with Pulley before on this show, is that he's not a bad backup. He's not a bad guy if you need him in a spot. However, whenever they've asked him to start, he's caused more problems than been a, a a good player to step in. He hasn't been consistent. There's been more issues with him than Jalapio. And it almost makes me wonder if this is the plan moving forward is to roll with him or do they have some type of contingency with one of these young guys to maybe take over for him midway through the year towards the end of the season at some point. Yeah, I, that's something that we're going to get into in the second half. I think right now, Spencer Pulley kind of is the plan. And that's not ideal. Like you say, he is—he has issues. He can be a liability. He isn't consistent. He, you know, he struggles with consistent footwork, consistent hand placement, getting a consistent anchor. You know, just all of these things are—I don't want to keep using the word, but just not consistent. And you kind of need to be consistent, especially at center, because you know, center is 
the rock in the middle of your offensive line. And if he isn't a guy both guards can depend on, then that affects the guards, that affects the quarterback. And if it affects the guards, it affects the tackles. And it just, you can't have a weak link right in the middle. Especially the effect it will have on Daniel Jones if you have issues with calling out slide protection, picking up blitzes. When you have a young quarterback, you need an equally reliable center in front of him. Now, as a quarterback progresses, and we saw with Eli Manning, he was able to call out some of that stuff and and be smart enough to realize there might be some issues with the slide protection call to maybe fix it because he was such a a longstanding veteran. But you do really need someone who you can count on, and I don't fully know, and I can't confidently tell you that Spencer Pulley is that guy. We're going to have a longer discussion on this soon after the break. The last guy who is a very good player in his position missed time because of an injury and he was dealing with and playing through a shoulder issue, very clearly toughing it out and maybe kind of hindered his capabilities. That is Kevin Zeitler, the right guard. I can pretty much confidently say, unlike the center position, I can say that Kevin Zeitler is a top six player at his position at the right guard position. He is one of the best players analytically. uh, I believe also rated by pro football focus as one of the best guards for what he is fully capable of. They were able to bring him in via trade with the whole Odell Beckham to the uh, Cleveland Browns trade two off seasons ago. And while that was a huge downgrade at the receiver position, we don't need to dive into that. It was a significant upgrade for the offensive line. A huge plug was filled by adding Kevin Zeitler and having someone who is capable of being a Pro Bowl caliber player. Understandably, however, he is an eight-year vet. He is 30 years old, but you could very well confidently expect to get two to three more good seasons out of him. Yeah, honestly, I don't feel we need to spend a whole lot of time talking about Zeitler because he is a good dependable top five maybe top 10 you know just depending on how other guys at the position play you can't really control for that but he is a good guard who would start for almost any team in the league and you know compared to Patrick Omame or John Jerry, he is a really big upgrade at that right guard position. And and you you bring up a good point. We probably don't need to go too crazy with talking about him because we would just spend 15, 20 minutes getting caught up by how great of a, a right guard he is and how g- good he's been able to be compared to other players we've seen play in that right guard spot over the past few seasons. It's nice actually having uh, some level of consistency and some level of strength in a spot that has always not really been... Uh, a consistent, reliable one. Yeah, this is a position where we really don't have questions, which is nice. We might not know who's going to be the left tackle or right tackle. We might not know how Andrew Thomas is going to perform as a rookie. We might not know whether or not Will Hernandez is going to take that step forward that we hope he does. We might not have any clue what's going to happen at center, but we at least know Kevin Zeitler will be there. He will be a good, dependable player, and hopefully that will help the center, and whatever happens at right tackle. (laughs) It's nice having some confidence in a spot on the offensive line. I'm confident in Will Hernandez too, but both guard spots is is something that we can at least hang our hats on and say, we know that these guys are going to do at least above average 
at their positions. We've got a few other talking points we want to hit on. Before we get to them, though, we're going to take a really quick commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In talking about the starters, we can't just hang our hats on talking about the five guys that we just previously mentioned, the likely starters, because there are players that are considered backups that could come out of the woodwork and surprise people during training camp midway through the season. If an injury happens, they could step in and and do a decent job. The three guys that stood out to meet Chris has to be Matt Peart, the right tackle out of UConn, Nick Gates, who has been a longstanding player for a few seasons with the Giants and filling in in a number of spots, and then also recently drafted guard, Shane Lemieux. I think all three at some point, at some point or the or another, will get to play in this 2020 season. Yeah, I think it is very possible. You know, we if Andrew Thomas does wind up starting the full season at left tackle, if the Giants, you know, just kind of wind up being mathematically out of it by December, we could see Nate Solder sat down, or if a an injury occurs, you know, obviously we don't want to see that regardless of how anyone's playing. But if an injury does happen, could see Matt Peart step in at right tackle, which that looks to be kind of the future for the position. So they might want to get an early preview of that, get him some in-game experience. Nick Gates, he stepped in and he he played well, or at least relatively well for the Giants at the end of last year. You know, both at, eh, sorry, you know, he stepped in, he played relatively well for Kevin Zeitler when he was dealing with his injury and he could factor into the center position. And then Shane Lemieux, he's a guy I think we both liked in the run up to the draft, just maybe not particularly athletic, strong, dependable, mauler of a guard. And again, he's another guy that could factor into the center position. So speaking of the center position. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of it, it, it's the one position group that we have to, not even position group, solidified position that we have to pick apart and analyze because there's a lot of moving pieces here. John Halapio, who I alluded to early earlier, is not currently on the roster, but there there are, are some circumstances that he could um, still end up finding his way back on the team. From my, what I understand, Chris, you know a little bit more about this than I do based on what we looked up before the show. Yeah, just before the draft, Dave Gettleman was asked about John Jalapio, who the Giants decided to not tender because he's a restricted free agent currently dealing with a ruptured Achilles. Gettleman basically said he's coming back, or I presume he said coming back from the injury. It seems the Giants are keeping an eye on him, staying in contact with him. And even though he isn't on the roster right now, it seems like they could bring him in for training camp, assuming he is healthy, assuming that Achilles is fully healed. They could bring him back to compete for that center position because the Giants really do love John Jalapio. I think they love the mentality 
that he brings, that just hardworking, maybe not the most athletically gifted guy, but just will try to outwork everybody. Yeah, I, I think they really like having that and let him compete with Spencer Pulley, Shane Lemieux, and Nick Gates. And I suppose whichever one is best they might look at for the center position. I believe the deal with Jalapio is not really what they would have typically done, but because of what we're dealing with with COVID-19 and teams trying not to fully fill their 90-man preseason rosters, trying to keep that number down a little bit so they don't have too many people in the facilities, they don't want to carry someone who is probably not fully healed and they probably don't want to have to have that person coming in and out of the, out of the facility. It's just another person who is there and present, which could add to an already filled area that you're trying to lower the risk of contracting and spreading of this virus. I, I mean, I there's conversations constantly between the league teams and front offices on the best approach to not only keeping it out of facilities, but also preventing it from spreading if, if someone does end up getting it. So I see this more so as, and you kind of already hit on this a little, Chris, they're probably still staying in touch with him. Gettleman very much likes John Jalapio. They're probably still talking to him, like, how's the rehab going? How's everything going? And you're like, how do you feel? What, and they probably said to him, once you're fully back to health and you can come and practice, that's when we'll actually sign you. Because right now, we don't really want to pay you to sit in rehab somewhere else. That doesn't really make a lot of sense for us. We're going to evaluate it. And once we think that you're fully ready, we'll, we'll come in, we'll test you physically, and then we'll bring you back onto the roster. It's just a, an extra precaution based on the very random and unprecedented unprecedented circumstances we've dealt with during this whole entire offseason. And besides all that, though, you, you mentioned other guys who can compete for this center spot. I see Nick Gates as being the best competitor with Spencer Pulley. Chris, you and I talked about this a while ago when we analyzed Shane Lemieux. I don't think either of us really feel that Lemieux is capable of being a starting center in this league just based on his his foot speed. He just doesn't have what you need from a guy who is supposed to be very quick-footed. Yeah, he he kind of lumbers. Yeah, you know, when I was watching him on on tape in college, you know, he was really best when he was asked to defend a or block a short area. As long as you kept him, you know, within a couple yards of where he started, he was fine. But once you started expanding what he was responsible for, that was when you'd start to see him kind of break down. And you know, centers have to be athletic. They have to be able to snap the ball, get up, and potentially block a nose tackle, give a double team with one of their guards, uh, maybe deal with an A-gap blitzing linebacker, climb to the second level. They have to be able to move a lot and move in all directions. Yeah, I just wonder if... Lemieux's, eh, I just wonder if Lemieux has the feet to be a center. And from what we've seen on tape, what he did at Oregon, his feet are just not there. Centers are asked to, against fronts that have four men, and if there's no nose tackle, to go after 
middle linebackers. They need to be able to reach the second level. I don't think there's anything wrong with what Lemieux does, and maybe Lemieux could step in eventually and start, but at a guard position that better fits his skill set. I just I don't see him fitting in at center, making Gates and Pulley the likely competitors for that spot with a possibility of Jalapio coming back uh, sometime in the next few months. That's going to be it for today's show, breaking down the starters on the Giants' offensive line. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us, folks, and follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon, and you can follow Chris at RaptorMKII. Also head to our website for more in-depth stories, news, analysis, you name it, about the New York Giants, as well as a, a wonderful community for fans to discuss various topics regarding the New York Giants. Our next show will likely be on the topic of the backups, like I said in the beginning of the show, so stay tuned for that next episode where we break down, fill you in on all the guys that are behind the current starters on the Giants' offensive line.